Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. You know, it's really cool to hear Roy say those things. I, um, it was a couple of years ago. I, I never heard the word, I never heard, um, I didn't know much about Outreach Church. I heard about it. Now, I've heard Roy's name mentioned. I remember one day I was with some friends, and we were just hanging out, and we're getting together with the Lord, and we're encouraging each other, like what the God's going to do with us in the future, what He's planning on doing with Greenville and with our lives and our relationships, and we're just getting each other stirred up, and it's one of my favorite things to do. And I remember I'm sitting there, and I, I just, in a moment, it just hit me in the chest. And I heard, in the coming year, you're going to get to go a man, get to know a man named Roy Giese. And he's going to train you in what it means to become a man of integrity and godly character. I didn't know Roy. I just heard his name a couple times. And in that point in my life, I was just, my heart was just so... So desiring that, to have someone to pour into me, to lead me as I pursue the Lord, to lead me as I, I want to search out deep truths. And so I didn't say it to anyone, I just held it in my heart. And months went by, and then one night I was living with some guys, and Dylan was one of them, and I was like, Dylan, I'll tell you this, and Dylan knows Roy. If you know Dylan, he gets really excited. He's like, bro, Roy's awesome. I'm calling him right now. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 so let's wait, let's wait. And months went on. And it was probably, you know, I had the original word in December, and it was the September of the next year, I think we got coffee. And since then, it's just been a pleasure just to be here at this house to learn from Roy, and to be in this room. Me and my wife, we've been here for about a year and a half. <laughs> and this, I, I cannot tell you how much of a blessing this house has been to me as I pursue the Lord, to my wife as she's pursued the Lord, and for each other as we pursued each other. This is, is so great to be here every Sunday. Just to be in this room, to hear this worship, to hear these messages and to allow ourselves to be opened, to be transformed, becoming more like Him. I mean, I've, I've said it before, you cannot be here at this church week after week and enter keep entertaining a thought that's a lie in your life. Because it will be called out in this house. And that's something so special about this place. And it's always done in love. And you always see it, because you always see the goodness of it. You always see where God puts his finger on your life and says, listen, this is who you are, and this, oh, it's, you know, it seems probably fine to you in this moment, but no, this is who I say you are. And it's always going to look better. And you're just walking through these doors, and it just oozes in the atmosphere. You don't even know what's going on, but yet you get a revelation that comes upon you in the middle of worship, something you've never thought of before, where you hear his voice, and you're like, I want to change. Because there's something greater. And that's what this place does. 
I'm blessed for it. I, um, you know, I've been here a year and a half, and I know some people here. I know not everyone knows me or knows me really well. And so today, I just, before I really get started, I just want to tell you all a little bit about myself. So I think there's something to when you understand who a person is and where he's been, that you can greater understand what's in his heart. Where you can take deeper root. And so, I've grown up in Greenville my whole life. I literally grew up right behind this church. My parents still live there in the neighborhood called Lake Forest. Have two younger sisters. One's right there. She just got engaged a couple weeks ago. Yep. So we're all really excited about that. Had incredible parents. People who loved the Lord. Grew up in church. Grew up going to Mitch Road Presbyterian Church, actually. And grew up Presbyterian. Got sprinkled. I loved it. I'm still, uh, my, my parents still go there. I'm actually still close with the pastor there. He was my youth pastor at the time, and he's, he's a great guy. And I remember it was later on in life, you know, in my 20s, I just really started pursuing the Lord for myself, just saying, I want to know. Like, I, I've heard these things, but yet there's, there's so, there was just something in me. I just, my curiosity was just at an all-time high. And I remember... I started going to a church. It's called Crossroads at the time. And I remember I'd just go and I'd sit in the back and they had this incredible worship. I, I would just cry. I didn't know why I was crying. I just knew I was and I knew it felt good. <laughs> and I remember it was January 1st, year 2011. I was broken inside. You know, I, I was um, in an on-again, off-again relationship with someone, and it was just crumbling. And then my job, I, I just I loved so much, and it just seemed like it was all falling apart, and it seemed like everything was just like, it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I was just like, I need God. And I remember one day, the pastor, he stood up here, he stood up on a stage, and he said, listen, if 2010 was a horrible year, it was a hard year, well, you just need desperately God to show up in your 2011 to transform your life, to make it better. Come up to the front if you need God in your life, more in your life in 2011. I was like, that's me. And I ran to the front, I fell on my knees, and it was just that nasty, snotty, just wet tears. I mean, they were done playing music, they were done praying for people. I had no idea. I'm still there. And then I realized, I kind of came to, and I was just like, forget it. Everyone's going to see it. That's fine. I turned around, just wiping it all off my face. Sat down. I have no idea what, they, what the message was that day. I was just, just undone. And I remember when it was over. I remember walking back to my car. Just walking through the drive, the parking lot. And then I just, it just hit me. I was just looking forward, and all of a sudden, right, right in front of me, I just saw all these things, all these problems in my life, all these things that 
were organized in a way that you couldn't control, you couldn't contain. And I just took a step back. I didn't know what I was experiencing. I didn't know what was happening. And all of a sudden, I saw something come in and put them all in a single file line in front of my face. And I just stood there, I was just watching. And this, in, in before this, my heart, I just felt like I missed something of God. I felt like I missed Him. And this fast forward button appeared. And I remember I just watched it. And I just went out and I touched it. Next thing I know, it just felt like I was like in Star Trek, just going, you know, light speed ahead, just going straight forward. In my body, I remember I just feel like a pulse at the end as I stood face to face with someone. That I knew was the only to be Jesus. It lasted just a moment. I fell out of it. I mean, it's just like I, I just went, leaned back and I was out of it and I was able to look around. I saw people walking to their to the cars. And then I just started laughing. I was just, I, I didn't know how, I'd never heard of something like that happen before. I just, I, I didn't know if it was just my imagination, but I knew how it just, it went deep into my core. And I walked back to my car and I remember grabbing hold of my car door and I just had this deep sense that everything is going to be okay. I remember going back to my house. For the next five weeks, I just sat there. I would come home from work, and I would read my Bible, and I would pray, and I would journal. The things that I would feel like I'd hear him whisper to me in my ear. Things that I was like, I didn't know if this was, could be even be real. But I was like, I'm just going to believe it regardless, because I know what it feels like in my heart. To hear that voice. To hear, just to feel the love of his heart. For the next five weeks, I would do that. And I remember five weeks in, I ended up going on a mission trip to Haiti. And I was there. And uh, there's a guy there named Chad. Some people might know him. We, didn't, we, we laugh about it now because we didn't really like each other that much at the time. Now we're like best friends. But one day, I just, I just, there was a, something in me. I just felt like I just needed to follow him around. So like, he went to the left outside. I just kind of walked follow him behind him, you know? <laughs> Just kept just tagging him like a little dog. He turned around, and we started talking. Literally one minute into the conversation, he just started speaking things over me. Things that I had felt in my heart my whole life. Things that I couldn't understand. Things that I couldn't explain. But yet, it just, it just, it just, I heard him say it, and I just heard the Father in it. And I was just like, just that moment, I was like, I will never doubt the goodness of the Father's heart ever again. Because I believed everything that he said to me in my young years. It was just like he spoke everything of my life to me in that one moment. In 2011, in the beginning of that year, I felt like the Lord gave me a word. I thought he said, this is the year you're going to find your wife. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great word. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> November 27th of that year, I started dating the woman 
who would later become my wife, Madison Hopkins, now Brinson. For the next four weeks, it was awesome. <laughs> and then we just started clashing. And we're just like looking at each other like, I felt like God and you, and like I felt that this was right, and I just, but for some reason, you just drive me crazy. <laughs> and then, I have a thing with dates. So when I talk, I'm probably going to lay a lot, a lot of dates out. I just, there's something with it. But on September 3rd, of 2012, she broke up with me. <laughs> and you know, when you get broken up with, there really is no worse feeling. It, it's just, you're like, God, just send me to the other side of the world. This is the cool thing. The Lord knew what was going on, and he already had me book a plane ticket to Africa. <laughs> so three weeks later, I jumped on a plane. And I went and attended Heidi Baker's school of ministry over there in Mozambique. I don't know if you know who Heidi Baker is. She's an incredible woman. She's launched the ministry there. She's been there for 30 years. Just, you know, thousands of churches ministers to a lot of orphans. I mean, just unbelievable. So, it's like, man, I, got, I don't have a girlfriend, but I'm going to go to Africa, and I'm going to raise the dead, you know. I was all excited. I remember walking onto the plane, and I was like, it's like I'm stepping through the wardrobe. You know? So I'm going to the eighth wonder of the world. Like, this, this is it. The dead will be raised, and this will be amazing. And I get there, I get off the plane, and it's just dirt. <laughs> and I get to my room, and it's just this, it's a mud hut. And I was just like, all right, now let's prepare for this. But what I wasn't prepared for was that the thing that I comforted, like, I got the most comfort out of was just always knowing that, like, I could hear his voice, know, hear, seeing him move powerfully in the body. I'd be, once you, like, open up to the Spirit, you see his heart to heal, and you see the way he moves, and how it's creative, and all these different ways, like, how I was, I, I loved it. For the next four days, I did not hear one thing. And all these thoughts went through my head. I'm like, have I done something wrong? You've forgotten me. I went to the other side of the world, and there's nothing. I don't feel anything. I remember it was the first Sunday I was there. They had a church service and an altar call, and all these people came up front. And I looked at this guy, and I saw him, and I was just like, uh, I was like, I know God's, I, I was just like, I'm going to make something happen. And I went to this guy and said some words over him, and they weren't from the Lord. I didn't know it. You know, I, I was just, I was in a, a hurt spot in my heart, you know. And when church service was over, I remember walking to my room, and I was thinking, 
well, maybe. I just had all these like excuses in my head. Like maybe, like uh, maybe, maybe I'm not. Maybe nothing has changed. And I'm walking. I'm walking down this dirt road, and all of a sudden it hits me. I recognize a voice that I know, and it wasn't the voice of what I was speaking from before. And it said, Zach, I didn't call that man to be a prophet to nations. And it was just like, you're that little kid just getting caught red-handed by your parents. And you're just like, well, how do, like you're, just, you're fumbling for words. You're like, how do I respond to this? So, I just chose to do like what you do when you're a little kid, when you're caught red-handed, and see if you can make your parents laugh. And I was just like, well, could you make them one? <laughs> I don't know how it works. The guy who knows the beginning from the end, the alpha and the mega, the guy who stands on the outside of time, who holds time in his hand, could be caught off guard and surprised, but I really felt like I got a laugh out of that. <laughs> And he said, Zach, I've removed power to develop character. And I remember for the next couple of moments, he just spoke to me about what his intentions were in taking me to Africa. And how he wanted to develop me. I remember, I remember waking up every morning at 6 o'clock, going, and just before class would start, I would just journal, and I'd read my Bible, and I'd pray, and I would feel something come over me, like I'd feel conviction come up in me. Like, I, cause I, as I would see these things in my life, these things that weren't good, things that needed to change, things that he was putting his hand on. And then I'd get to Wednesday, and I'd be like, I don't know if I can do it. Friday would come and I'd just be like, oh, I survived the week. <laughs> As time went on, I remember. But still, it was just like a, was just a wrestling in my heart. I remember one day, I was praying for this woman. And I didn't see healing happen. And, you know, I understand how it goes. Like, it may not always be immediately, but in my heart, like, it just, it troubled me. And I mean, it troubled me to the point where I just, I'm sure I just became a brat. I remember I, was just, I walked away and I was kicking rocks. I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't see it healing, but I'm literally asking God, just transport me back home. I want a hot shower and a burger. And I want to watch a UFC fight tonight. And I remember he spoke to me again. He said, Zach, I didn't just remove power, but I've hidden it within character. There's never been a moment in my life where I felt more convicted than that one right there. You know, uh, there's times where you can wake up in the morning and it's just like there's a spunk in you right as soon as you wake up and you're like, I'm going to read my Bible today. 
you know. I'm going to sit down right here, and this the word just comes to life. Well, you it's just like you're reading, it's just angels are singing behind you. I mean, you just feel the goodness of God. You, you just can just be well, and it's everything you see just happens right there. And then there's just days where it's just, it's a struggle. <laughs> I'm the only one left. You know, I hear people call, it's like, oh, I'm, just, I'm just in the wilderness season. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just there. waiting to come out, waiting, waiting for my promised land. I think there's more promise in the wilderness than what we give credit to. And when I look back on my life, when I look back to the moments and the times in my life where I've seen God do the most work, it were in the times where He felt the most distant. You know, when God's speaking, he's making things, he's creating things, things are happening. All this stuff is happening. He's like, he's calling the sun into place. The sun's there, and then the moon's there on this day, and the moon's there, and the light's separating. You can mark it by time. You can mark it by a day. But it's when his silence that you can't be marked by the day, but yet he's actually spending time forming you. I love this verse. It's Deuteronomy 8.2. And he says, he says, remember the time that I led you in the wilderness where I humbled you, testing you to see what was in your heart, to see if you would obey my commandments or not. God didn't test them. For him to know what was in their hearts. He's tested them so that they would know. I think so many times we want the revelation to come over us. We're like, God, speak to me. Give me revelation. He's like, I already have. And it's time for you to become it. You know, many of you call, few are chosen. And it's this season, it's in this time where you get to choose. Is this really where I want to be? Is this really where I want to go? Is this really where my heart longs? he seems silent, when he seems distant, do I still pursue him? I have a promise. He'll never leave me or forsake me, but yet sometimes my emotions will tell me so. That's something I have to put off. If I draw near to him, he'll draw near to me. I want to read this. This is a story of Joseph. We go to old Genesis 37. And, you know, I remember when I was at journals in Africa, I'd always come back to the story of Joseph. Uh, it's something that brought a lot of hope in me, a lot of peace in me, and I can just uh, I can relate to. Well, let's start in uh, 18. This is set up the scene, Joseph. 
was the prized son of his father. Gave him his coat, you know, coat of promise, many colors. There's nothing he did. He was just his youngest son. And he had a little bit of an ego about him. And one day he sends him out to check on his brothers as they're working. Here it is. And his brothers saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of this dreamer. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of, the hand, out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, and there was no water. Lord, breathe on us and breathe on this. Typically, when you're going to a season. This is the thing. If you're in this place where you feel disconnected from God, there's so many thoughts that you did something wrong. Literally, if you did, the Lord will bring conviction upon you. But we get robbed of receiving the promise of what's in this season by believing that lie. So whenever you feel like you're going into a place that's distant from God, just go ahead and settle that thought right there because you have a promise he'll never leave you or forsake you. But what I've noticed often happens is the first thing that leaves is your robe. It's your gift. It's the place where you've got an identity in a place that's been given to you by man. It's something that you wear that is not from God, but it's something that you wear that gives you a certain stature and you carry it with your shoulders back. And you take a promise to it, and you take it too far to where it doesn't be connected to the heart of the Lord, even though if the gift is something that's good, when he's separated from who he is, and it becomes more about who you are, then that's the first thing that's going to be separated. You go into a pit where it's dark, you feel, feel completely just disoriented. Simply your senses are always off. The things that used to come easy to you aren't coming easy to you. The way you used to move, the way you used to speak, the way you used to feel in the presence of the Lord is just not there. It's all disoriented and your water is no longer. And the thing that you used to feed on, the thing you used to drink from that you thought was bringing you life isn't there because it's that place that you have to learn to pursue and to drink from the only living well that there is. I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again. You know, I love this because it goes on. He says he gets sold into slavery and he goes to Potiphar's house and it says the Lord was with him. I don't know how much, when you, if you were to read the story and that verse wasn't there, you would have a lot of doubts. Man. What? Like, your mind would go in a thousand different ways, none of which are which the Lord was thinking, or none of which are you thinking that the Lord's with them, because it doesn't look like it. His life doesn't look like God's with them unless it says it in that verse, and it does. 
It's in this place you start asking questions. So many times we ask questions in this place where we feel so distant from God that are based on our pain. We want to throw that why question out there. Say, God, why? And he doesn't answer. And the reason why he doesn't answer sometimes is because he's not concerned about answering your questions. He's wanting to lead you into a level of understanding. And there's some questions that you ask that you can't understand because of the certain level of understanding that we were at, you were walking in when you went into it. Like he was saying, am I the only one left? Elijah. He's sitting there. He's, he's, the famine's going on land, the thing that he prophesied. There's a famine. Am I the only one left? Obadiah just told you, bro. There's more. But he can't get it. The widow die, well, son dies. She complains to him and blames him. And he throws the child down and blames God. Why did you do this? God doesn't answer him. But I'll tell you this. What I think is he got his understanding later on in life. And he went to the fast and he goes to the cave and the whisper comes back to him. See, this place is a transformation process. It's like what we sang in the song. You know, spirit move, like, this, uh, this, I fix my eyes on this one thing, to see your goodness, to see your glory. Where's the, how's it go after that? Transform me in this one thing? Something like that, Patty? Yeah. yeah, we're transformed by this one thing. Listen, when the dark cloud falls, yeah, there you go. All that good stuff right there. See, like, it's like when Moses, when the dark cloud falls, the people stood back and fear. And Moses looks at him and says, No. He has come to test you that you may fear him. And they all stood back, but it was him who approached the dark cloud where God was. It was there where he saw his goodness. It was there where he saw his glory. And when this season comes, there's two things that will happen. So either pursue him, draw near to him, he'll draw near to you, and you will see his goodness, you will see his glory, he will come before you. You'll see it. Or you'll build something else to worship. You'll find comfort in something else that's not him. It said in Psalms 105, And the word of the Lord came upon Joseph from that day forth, from the day he went to the pit, and it came to test him. To literally, that word test means like the purge of everything in him 
that is prohibiting him from making the word that the Lord spoke over his life come to pass. You know, Joseph never got his coat back. But he did get another one. And after 13 years, he stood before Pharaoh. Man, very different than what he was when he wore that first one. And he put on him a coat. He gave him a ring and a necklace around his neck. But his identity wasn't in those things. His promise wasn't in what a king at that time, a pharaoh at the time, the ruler of the world at that time could give because he had found something far greater. You know, they gave him a name. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. I couldn't. One of the translations of it is a revealer of secrets. It's in when you're in that place of hiddenness. In that place when the dark cloud sets in and you can't see, but yet you choose the Lord. You choose to climb the mountain where your level of understanding will increase and you will hear things and you will begin to know things that you could never have found on the days where he just the angels were singing behind you. The days where everything came easy because there's a refining process in the test. He tests what he trusts. You know, one of my favorite verses in Psalms 25. And it says the friendship of the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. And he'll make known to them his covenant. And it's interesting. If you read in other translations, the word friendship is also in turn as the word for secret. The secrets of the Lord are reserved for those who fear him. And in that 13 years, as Joseph went from Potiphar's house to prison, just to the depths, just to what the world would say is the bottom. There was something that was changed within him. The character, you know, the whole of the call in his life. You know, I... David goes on to say in Psalms 25, count how many are my foes. Count how many are my troubles. But may integrity and uprightness of heart preserve me as I wait on you. So all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. So no, no matter what it looks like, no matter how dark the cloud falls, your vision changes. It's there. His goodness is there. Now I'm just going to I'll end with this one. I'm going to start to close it out with this one now. It's Hebrews 5 9. It 
in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications and with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who would obey him. I have a hard time when I hear people talk about Jesus and this, they, they never say he corrects them. It's just sunflowers and rainbows every day. It's not the way my life is with that. Definitely wasn't the way Jesus is. You know, you want power flow through your life? You'll find it more in a yes than you ever live in a gift. And on the day where Jesus' character was tested the most, when his integrity was tested, when his love was laid down to the point of death, the Father was silent. Yet the reward of it, what do you get when you come out of it? Sit at the Father's right hand. And put his name above every other name. There's just, I've come to the point in my life where I get on my knees and I'm like, Lord, test me. Because there's more that you put into me than I realize. Put me in the position where I'm forced to pull it out. Where I'm forced just to call on your name. And it's the only way for me to get through is if it comes out of me. It's not something to be afraid of, I found. It's something to embrace. Yes. Yeah, sometimes we want to ignore it. And we just want to say all everything is good. When really we just feel distant. That's not helping it. Embrace it. Or everything in your life's falling apart. Embrace it. Embrace the goodness of the Lord in those times and know that it's there and pursue the cloud. Go up the mountain. I remember when I came back from Africa. I remember waking up. I remember first eating a burger, drinking a thing of milk, taking a hot shower, catching up on a UFC fight. Did all those things. I don't really remember them right now. I do remember waking up at four in the morning the next morning. Not able to sleep and I went outside and went for a run. And I remember going and I found a parking lot and I just laid down. I just looked up at the sky, watched the sunrise. Nothing great, nothing like, and there's no great profound moment with God. Man, there was peace in my heart. 
There's joy. I've never walked through a season, a time where he seemed like he was so far away. Come out of it with less understanding. I've always had more. I've always felt closer to him. Now I have a friend who says it like this, God loves everyone the same, but doesn't trust everyone the same. In those places, you'll feel more of his trust when you come out of it. That's a good place. Man, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you give us tests. You give us trials. So that we can see what you've made us to be. We can see what you've put in us. We can shift our mindset from thinking so much about who we are in you and start to really see who you are in us. So special. It's a joy to be tested by you. It's a joy to prove it, prove your work true in us. So I thank you, Jesus. Listen, right now, sometimes in those seasons, there's a lot of lies that get put in your head. And it can take you into a circle and take you into a pit that you were never supposed to be in. It can take you deeper into the pit rather deeper than his heart. If you feel like you're in a spot right now, he seems distant. The things seem hard. The things that you put your hand to has yet to prosper. That you just, you're saying, God, I believe that you said. Things will be good, but yet I don't see it. There's a lot that you believe in this process. Lord, just reveal it. Will your heart. It was months ago. I felt like I was in one of those seasons. I just needed to take that moment and say, Lord, tell me your heart from right now. I filled a whole page off in my dream. I walked out of that coffee shop feeling like a million bucks. I remember it. When I feel distant. I'll draw near to those who draw near to Him. He draws near to the broken heart. I thank you, Lord, that you love us. You never give up on us. 
that all the roads that you lead us on are steadfast love and faithfulness. That you're just leading us to a deeper revelation of your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.